Hey guys, welcome back to Free Indeed. I'm glad that you're joining me again today. I hope you've had a blessed week, and I pray all is well with you. And if it's not, I pray that it gets better, in Jesus' name. So for today's episode, I wanted to title it, Jesus is Your Oasis. And this, uh, this image, this idea, came to me early this morning, before we even left for church today Sunday and it, it just came to me about how we take things that are good ideas and things that we should do as a Christian like you know read the Bible it's probably a good idea to get familiarized with it and you know get to learn God a little bit better and learn some biblical principles or you know learn some Bible stories and see how God can use you despite where you've come from or who you are or what's happened to you. And I'm sure I've heard messages before that kind of typified Jesus as, you know, your escape, your rest. And, you know, the Bible talks about him being our our rest, our Sabbath rest. But I like the term oasis because it denotes this escape in the midst of what you're going through, you think about an oasis in the middle of a desert and it's hot, the sand is probably all over you and you're thirsty and you just want some shade, some water and maybe uh, some refreshments, you know, and an oasis is just that it's a break from what you're going through or you could say an escape or the end of what you're going through. Well, Jesus is our oasis. We know that he fulfilled the law for us. He fulfilled all the righteous demands of the law, the Bible says. He has fulfilled everything. He's the summation of all the prophecies. He is the Messiah. He fulfilled all the prophecies about him from the Old Testament. And he is your great escape. Your escape from having to live up to a, a law that you can never be perfect enough anyway. He's your escape from the enemy, the devil. He's your escape from sin. He's your oasis when you're going through a desert season in life. He's your oasis. He's your escape from all of that. And, you know, it may sound just like a kind of a nifty title, but actually there is a biblical story that we could draw from. Now, I'm going to be in Genesis 21 where this story takes place. And if you want to back up a couple of chapters, you know, this is the story of Abraham and Sarah and how God promises Abraham a son. Uh, And he says that you're going to have a son with your wife, Sarai. You know, this is before she was Sarah. And actually Abraham was Abram at the time. Anyway, and Abraham gets impatient like we all do. I've done it. You've done it. We, We all get impatient sometimes, especially if you've got a word from the Lord or if somebody shares something with you and you're just chomping at the bits for it to happen. Right. And we all get impatient sometimes. And that's where we need to learn patience because sometimes we can create an Ishmael. Well, I have a story here, so I'm going to kind of summarize it. Abraham gets impatient and it gets to the point where you know, Sarah, she's getting impatient too. And she says, why don't you just go in and lay with my 
uh, hand handmaid servant, and and we'll have a kid through her. Well, that's not what God said. That's so far off from what God said. <laughs> it's not at all. God said that Abraham and Sarah they would have a kid, and that he would be a, a child of promise, and it was a miracle because you know Abraham was like ninety years old, and no, he was a hundred, I think, and Sarah was ninety, and. In the as the story goes, she even laughed like, "Am I gonna have a kid at this age?" You know, like really, like she really didn't believe. She was kind of kind of scoffing at the promise of God. So anyway, with that little introduction, uh, Abraham goes in, uh, sleeps with their their maid servant. She gets pregnant, and they name the the child Ishmael. And he was born outside of the promise, though. God didn't tell Abraham to do this. This was a man-made idea. He decided to try to hurry along the process. And really, you know, it speaks of disbelief, doubt and disbelief. Because he didn't want to wait and give God the opportunity. He thought, oh, I've waited long enough. You know, where's this promised uh, son? So anyways... Let me uh, start in Genesis 21, and I'll start in verse 12. So, God said to Abraham, Don't be displeased because of the boy and because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah says to you, do as she tells you, for though Isaac, your offspring, shall be named. So, God is saying, look, you know, you messed up, but look, don't don't be distraught over it. Don't Don't... Don't let this become a big discouragement to you. And that's a word for us today, too. Even if you did create, you know, quote, an Ishmael situation, don't let it ruin you. Don't let your life shrink down to the size of one bad decision. Even if, you know, unfortunately, you have to live with that bad decision for the rest of your life or for a while or something. You know, if it's not an immediate fix and praise God, you know, there's so many times in our lives where he does, you know, protect us and we don't have to. Uh, you know, bear the, the the shame, if you will, of a Ishmael moment. And here God is saying, don't be displeased and don't be like, don't be discouraged because of what just happened, you know. Anyway, and verse 13, he says, I will make a nation of the son of the slave woman also because he is your offspring. So basically God is saying, you know what, even though this was not supposed to be, I'm still going to bless him because of, of your blessings. I'm blessing you. Whatever you do is blessed. Even a mistake is your... And I'm not saying Ishmael was a mistake, but it was a mistake to do what he did. But Ishmael himself wasn't a mistake, but the situation, Abraham shouldn't have done that. And God is, you know, and this just shows how unbothered God is with Abraham's sin and with his poor decisions. And no, that's not a license to just go live all willy-nilly and, you know, que sera, sera and do whatever you want. But it is a, it's an encouragement because... You know, growing up, hearing lots of just condemning, save, lost, save, lost type of messages, and you really read the Bible and you're like, wait a minute, God is way less bothered by people's sin than a lot of uh, ministers, a lot of people. And again, you know, I'm not going to qualify a whole lot more, but I'm not saying it's okay to just live in sin. But, you know, if you blew it, you know, forgive yourself, get up, don't condemn yourself. As one of our Bible school teachers said back at Karis, he says, I don't do condemnation and I don't do shame. He And he zeroes in on how Jesus was the perfect sacrifice to eliminate all your shame and your sin. 
And so he's like, so when I mess up, I don't do shame. I don't do guilt. I don't do condemnation. Just don't go there. You know, just say, nope. Uh, you know, there's enough, there's enough enemy out there coming after me. I'm not going to take his side and start beating myself up too. You know, a lot of us, I just got this picture of, you know, how bullies would, you know, grab your arms and kind of make you hit yourself and say, you know, why are you hitting yourself? Stop hitting yourself. Well, a lot of us, the devil isn't even there anymore. And we're still doing it to ourselves hearing in our mind, you know, stop hitting yourself. Why are you hitting yourself? And he's not even there anymore doing it. <laughs> we got so used to just doing that to ourselves that it's become the normal thing. The minute we feel a little guilty, we just, you know, spiritually speaking or emotionally speaking, we just, uh, we just start hitting ourselves, you know, Oh, you know, why, why are you hitting yourself? Stop hitting yourself. And, and we should stop. We really should stop. <laughs> and, you know, God's not mad at you. He's, he's already forgiven you. The cross was the ultimate payment where, like I covered in previous episodes in the Hebrew, Isaiah 44, 22, the word for wiping out your sins or blotting out your sins doesn't do it justice. The, the word could be better translated obliterate. He totally obliterated. He annihilated our sins. Hallelujah. And because of that, you can stop hitting yourself. <laughs> anyway, getting back to the, the verse. So God promises to bless Abraham's mistake. Again, not the Ishmael is a mistake, but the mistake of having a son, having a kid outside of the promise of God. And God is like, you know what? Don't worry about it. I'm going to bless him too, because you're blessed because he's your son. So Abraham and Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water. Back then they carried their water and wine and goat skins. And he gave it to Hagar, which is the name of the slave servant from Egypt that uh, Abraham and Sarah had with them. So he gave her food and water and put it on her shoulder with her kid and sent her away. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water in the skin was gone, she put the child under one of the bushes. So this this situation here, it's describing they just ran out they ran out of food, ran out of water. She's been wandering and lost in the desert for who knows how long at this point, probably a couple of days or something. And the reason she puts him under a bush is because he's parched and she thinks he's about to die. She thinks that he is a goner, she's a goner, and she just can't bear the sight of having to watch him, you know, waste away in the heat and dehydration and probably malnutrition and, and starvation, you know, all, all the bad stuff. So when they ran out and they were weary, she just put him under one of the bushes and then she went and sat down away from him a good way off, the Bible says, about a distance of a bow shot. So like if he shot an arrow, I guess pretty far out, so... You know, she probably traveled, I don't know, maybe a quarter mile or something. And she said, I don't, uh, let me not look on the death of my child. And she sat opposite of him. She lifted up her voice and wept. And that's the only thing she could do. The, she ran out completely, spiritually, physically, emotionally. And the only thing she could do, the only thing she had left that she could do was just cry. And how many times have we been in those situations where, you feel like you got nothing left. All you can do is cry out to God. You just lay on your face and, and cry out to God and just trust and believe that he not only hears you, but will do something about your situation. And 
the next verse is is awesome. It says, And God heard the voice of the boy, and he was crying too. And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What troubles you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Lift up the boy and hold him fast with your hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. And she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. And God was with the boy, and he grew up. He lived in the wilderness and became an expert with the bow. And then it goes on to talk more about Ishmael and Abraham and different things. But I wanted to focus on verse 19. She looked up, and suddenly there was a well of water. There was an oasis in the desert. Out of nowhere, there was provision. There was life. Because in the desert, water is life. You know, you can go for, you can go longer without food than you can with water. You need water. And we know that in the Bible, too, water is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the fount of living water. Jesus told the woman at the well, you know, if you drink from the living waters that I give you, you'll never thirst again. Speaking of eternal life and not needing to ever be in search of a better life once you receive salvation from Jesus. So to me, this is her oasis moment. And I pray that whatever you're going through, you may feel like Hagar, you got the bad end of a deal. You didn't ask for this. You didn't do anything wrong. You simply, you know, just obeyed orders and you feel like you got screwed. You feel like you got put into a place where, you know, it's like, what did I do to deserve this? All I, I was doing my job, obeying orders, not causing trouble. And somehow I end up empty, alone, wasting away in the heat of this terrible situation. Just know that God sees you, he hears you, he hears your cry, and he's the God who makes a way where there seems to be no way. He's the God that makes a well pop up in the middle of the desert for you. He's the God that splits the Red Sea for you so you can cross on dry ground. Amen. And it doesn't matter what it is. You know, supernaturally, you don't think that if there was a well there, she would have already seen it and be like, oh, well, of course, I'm going to go to this well here and fill up my water skin and go give it to my son and we'll be okay. You know, I'm sure she would have seen it if it was there, man. But it says, then God opened her eyes. So to me, that's speaking spiritually. And she saw a well of water. It, she didn't say, it doesn't say that there's like a puddle of water. Like, Oh, you know, I didn't see that earlier. No, a well, somebody had, you know, you have to make a well when you, after you tap, you have to make the well and the bricks and this and that, you know, and the, draw system so you can draw out buckets of water suddenly there was a well there and she was able to fill the water skin well i like to say that you know god can do a suddenly for you he can do a suddenly for me suddenly he can open our eyes and we can see you know not that you're going to literally see a well in the spirit but God can open your eyes and suddenly you can just realize, oh, God, God's got me. God has provision for me. I'm not going down. I'm not going under. I'm not going to shrivel up and die that he has, has me. Jesus is your oasis. And just know that. Okay. So I wanted to go to the story of Jesus and the woman at the well. It's in John four. That's where I'm at. 
And it says, Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples did, or I mean only his disciples, he baptized his disciples. He left for Judea and departed again for Galilee, and he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. I thought that was interesting, and actually I read this the other day, how it said Jesus was wearied from his journey. You know, I think a lot of times through a lot of glamorous teaching and preaching, we we can kind of get the false idea that we're never supposed to be tired. We're just supposed to be floating on cloud nine all the time because we're Christians. And if you're if you're going through something or if you're just being real and, and talking about how your situation is going and maybe how it's affecting you. You ever, I don't know about you, but I've been around, you know, those, those perfect Christians where it's like, oh, well, just this, oh, well, you know, just this scripture right here, you know, they always have like an answer for your problems. You know what I mean? And it's so annoying, isn't it? <laughs> it's like, man, just let me talk. Let me just tell you how, what it's like right now or something, you know, or, and then it's not that it's not a correction thing. It's a, uh, they're, they may be going through a good situation. They may be going through a good season in life. And, and maybe you're going through a test or a trial of the world, you know, and something's kind of trying your faith a little bit. And then some, you know, Christian bebops along, you know, all fresh and everything. And they think they have the answers to all your problems. It's okay. Just, you know, no one season lasts forever. And I'll, I'll just say that. So the next time uh, that they're in a certain season, uh, just know that nobody nobody has it on easy street their entire life. So it's not unspiritual to be affected by something that happened to you. Um, and it's not unspiritual or unfaith to say, yeah, this broke my heart. Or, yeah, this really hurt this season. Or, you know, this bothers me when so-and-so treats me like this. Or I don't like it. You know, there's nothing non-spiritual about it. The Bible is full of stories about people, real people with real emotions Real situations, gritty details, you know, nitty gritty situations in life. And they be, you know, some of them were the heroes of faith, Abraham. I mean, I just read the story. I don't think you can get a lot grittier or fleshly or unspiritual than, than that. You know, uh, there's a lot of things he did that was just like, what are you doing, man? <laughs> but, and it shows God's faithfulness. And I covered on previous episodes that, you know, we don't need to have faith in our faith. We have faith in Him. So that way, even when we do mess up and sin or just, you know, we're not floating and, you know, walking on the clouds, that, that God can save you. He can restore that situation and make you look good at the end of it, you know? We should really f- have our focus more on Him. Anyway, so getting back to John 4. So it says He was wearied. So if Jesus could be wearied from something, don't think that you're less spiritual or less than a good Christian if something has wearied you. Because Jesus is your oasis. He's your well. And if you let him refresh you with his living waters, he can refresh you and you'll feel great again. And you can you can start where you left off and get back to life, get back to what you were doing. Amen. And verse 7, a woman from Samaria came to draw water and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away to the city to buy food. 
The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink for me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans, because they were half-breeds. They were half-Jew, half, uh, I guess, Samaritan. I'm, I don't, I'm not too deep into knowing what the other half was. Maybe it was just half-anything. I'm not quite sure. Anyway, Jesus said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw the water with, and the well is deep. Where did you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give to him, he will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And she said to him, Sir, give me this water that I'll never be thirsty or have to come here to draw water again. And Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You're right in saying, I have no husband. It's just interesting that Jesus had a word of knowledge and he he knew exactly what was going on with her. But he didn't he didn't shame and condemn her. Oh, you harlot, you know, you're living with somebody, sleeping with them out of, you know, wedlock, common law. You're not really married. You're living in sin. He didn't, he didn't do all that. And of course, you know, you need to be married if you're going to be living with somebody, but you know what I mean? And he goes on to say, for you've had five husbands and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. And then, you know, she starts asking more questions and I'll, I'll go ahead and stop there. But getting back to my main point of how he's our our oasis and we can rest from our works, he gives us eternal life and we don't have he will never thirst again. It doesn't mean you'll never feel kind of spiritually dry or need a refreshing touch from the Lord, but just like he he talked about having living water, and if we draw from that well of living water through the Holy Spirit, you know, through spending time with God. And, and however that best suits you to be refreshed and be revitalized. And later in this chapter, you know, his disciples come back and they said, you know, here we have this food. Where, where did you eat? And he, t- he says, I have food to eat of that you don't even know about. And so those refreshing times in the spirit can be more refreshing than even a, a good meal and some nice uh, drink, you know. And a lot of times we... We get so focused and so introspective. Am I being a good Christian? Am I spending enough time with God? Am I reading the Bible enough? Am I practicing Christian methods enough and making sure these principles and blah, blah, blah. I'm doing all this stuff in my life to be a good Christian. Jesus invites you to rest from all that and focus on him. Draw from him, not from yourself, not from your own works. Don't draw from... Christian principles and methods and this and that to live your the Bible's not about applying principles to your life it's about being born again and finding eternal life it's about getting a whole new life from Jesus real fresh new living water not thinking yourself into happiness or something like that it's about really drawing from him he is our living water amen and so we can quit being so introspective and we can let God be our oasis. 
we can let Jesus be our oasis. The Holy Spirit is our oasis. You draw from him, let him refresh you. And the Bible talks about refreshing times from the Lord coming to us. And I would just invite you to, to look to him, just, you know, put all the academics down and just enjoy him. And even if you spend a month or a year on one verse that really ministers to you, that is way better than reading tons of scripture and not getting anything out of it. So just know your devotion, your this, that, and the other that you're trying to do for the Lord and you're burning yourself out and you don't feel any closer than you were before. It's because you're, you're trying to draw water from a well that you're going to be thirsty again. But if you draw from him, you won't thirst again. And that's not to say that you won't need times with the Lord where you do spend time with him to get refreshed. But it, when you do that, you're going to be getting the real living water that truly refreshes your soul in a way that just trying to perform for the Lord does. So I hope, hope this made sense today. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, I hope that it imparted some grace and encouragement to you uh, that you can let Jesus be your oasis in the desert and draw strength and life from him and not from within because you know other religions and philosophies all talk about looking within yourself and this and that the answer is not in you the answer is in jesus and we see that all throughout the bible so let's go ahead and end this with the prayer today father i pray for the listeners that you would seal these words up and i pray that today you that you would take the things i've said and use it to touch the hearts out there and that they could be refreshed and that you would bring our faith back to a simplicity your word talks about not being distracted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Let us, Lord, keep our faith in the realm of simplicity and not make it complicated about all these different things besides you. And help us, Lord, not to be afraid to let our relationship with you be organic and let it develop how it does, our own unique experiences with you, our own unique revelations that we get from you. Help us all to just be more comfortable in our own spiritual skin as Christians and to quit trying to be like some other believer because we're so insecure that we feel like our own experiences aren't legitimate enough with you. Help us, Lord, to realize any revelation or experience we have with you is just as legitimate as the most prestigious preacher out there. And we thank you for that, God, because you're the same God to all of us. You're the father of us all. and. Uh, nobody's better than anybody else. Nobody's worse off than anybody in the kingdom. We're all equal before you. And we thank you for that, God, that you're no respecter of persons. And I pray whatever anybody today needs, that they would be filled today with that thing that they need. We thank you, Lord, for your grace and your goodness. And we just praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys, thanks for joining me today. I hope you enjoyed it. Have a great one. If you'd like to support the podcast, please feel free to click the link in the description, and I greatly appreciate it. And remember, if the sun sets you free, you are free indeed.